0: Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the Book of Galatians. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.TheWayMinistriesRI.org. Thank you and have a great day. Verse thirty two. Okay. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ, or when you were first enlightened. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail and when all you owned was taken away from you You accepted it with joy You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So we know this was written roughly around 2,000 years ago So they were going through the same kind of suffering that we go through as Christians. So we have to understand that. That's how we can empathize. Now it says, verse 35, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Here it is. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. So as we grow in our Christian faith, it starts to wear on us and the world starts trying to overtake us here and then. It tells us that we need patient endurance is what we need now so we can continue to do God's will. It takes a lot of patience and a lot of endurance to do God's will when we're living in a world that is fallen and controlled by the devil. Amen. So we have to understand we have to be patient and we have to have endurance. And God is building that endurance in each and every one of us. right? So you continue. Then you will receive all that he has promised. So it's going to take some time. <clears throat> For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. So we don't live by what we see. We live by faith in the word of God. Amen. That's what we, that's what we live by. Not by what we see. Or my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. And he's quoting Habakkuk 2, verse 3 and 4. So in other words, a lot of people turn away because they're not taught correctly or understand correctly that as you walk and grow as a Christian that we're going to face problems, trials, and temptations. So people walk away. But the Bible says, I'll take no pleasure in And anyone who turns away. But it says in verse 39, But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. So we know, as a Christian, if you turn away from God, you're going to destroy yourself to your own destructions. And it says, We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So what is it? We're going to hang in there no matter what. Okay, Things are going to go wrong. People are going to try to uh, get us out of this. People are going to talk about us. Things are going to get hard, but one thing we never do is walk away from the Lord. He's the one that's going to protect us all the way to the end. Amen? <clears throat> you don't want to walk away from God. You want him on your side, not against you. Could I get an amen for this? All right. I just want to give everybody a fair warning, because when you're living by faith, the devil always tries to take us out of it. But we don't want to do that. That's why we keep coming to Bible study, reading the Word of God, trusting the Lord. We all have moments of weaknesses and lapses, but we just get back up. That's what the grace and mercy is for, so we can continue. Amen? All right, now i got one for us before we start. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. The Lord wrote this on my heart this year, and guess what? I'm going to. Let the Spirit speak. <laughs> it's good to see everybody. A little chilly, huh? A little, a little wind blowing. It's going to warm up, though. It's going to, pretty soon we're going to be saying, is that air conditioning working? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some people might not say that. They like it warm. <laughs> I'm going to make sure it's working. Trust me. <laughs> All right, Romans 8, verse 1. This is an awesome scripture. So, now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable was unable to save us because the weakness of our sinful nature or our flesh. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this So that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. How about a big amen for that? As we grow as Christians, we start not obeying our flesh anymore. We start obeying the Spirit. We start walking in the Spirit more and more. And we start to put our flesh aside. But that's a process that takes time. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. So we've got to be patient with ourselves. And please, you have to be patient with others because everybody's at a different level of their journey. So we have to, what, love each other and build each other up until we all grow into that knowledge, amen? Because a lot of us, you know, the emotions get the best of us sometimes. And that's why we have to strengthen our faith so our our emotions don't take over what we do. Now look what it says in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So, it comes down to a choice, my brothers and sisters. It says, so, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So, if you let your sin nature or your flesh control your mind, it will kill you spiritually and eventually physically. That's what it's telling us here. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Once you start growing in the grace and knowledge of one let the spirit control your mind. You get that joy, that peace, and that stability that you need, so that we can live this life and have joy, have a little taste of heaven now. Amen. So we can. So God is always going to be with us here. Now look what it says in verse seven. For our sin nature, or the sinful nature, is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So we can't can't do this in the flesh. We have to understand, when we try to serve the Lord in the flesh, that doesn't please God. We try to please Him in the Spirit by, we're not perfect, we know it, but when the Spirit takes over, we have peace and joy in our lives. And we understand that everything is under God's control, and we can relax. We can breathe. But that takes time. And we have to hang in there. That's why I just said patient endurance is what you need. So you can continue to do God's will. So you don't walk away from this. Amen. Okay. Now look what it says in verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life, or the spirit is alive, because you have been made right with God. See, we're made right with God because we believe, not because we behave. Can anybody honestly say they all behaved perfectly today? All their thoughts and everything was pure? No, even though we're growing, we know that we have lapses in our thinking, that that, that sinful nature gets the best of us. But we're never to beat ourselves up. Jesus took the beating at the cross for us. We dust ourselves off, we go back and we confess and we repent, and we get back in the race. Amen? Okay. because Look, the Spirit of God, verse 11, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. How about a big amen for that? See, he's the one that's going to revive us and give us life again. But we, see, here's the thing. As Christians, we can't help but try to do this in our flesh. We just can't help it. We say, I'm going to be good today. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be good. And I'm going to do good. And I'm going to please God today. And as soon as you try to do that, things start to go wrong. You just can't do it. We can't do it in the flesh. That's why we say, we surrender to God, say, all right, your will be done, Lord, not mine. And then he'll control it and things will go perfectly for you because you understand that you're not in control. That is. He lives in us and the spirit is going to work. Now look at verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do now we all get urges to do things that are not good and not godly we're self-destructive at times we just can't help it we have this sin that lives inside of us i call it, it's like it's like a it's like a this lives in us and it's lurking around looking to take over at any given time in our lives amen that's why we know that these these bodies, earthly bodies can't inherit the kingdom this is what stops us from getting that But our spirit is getting renewed every day. These bodies are dying. And our spirits are getting renewed every day. And one day we're going to get new resurrected glorious bodies. The Bible says. No more pain. No more suffering. No more sin nature to contend with. Amen. Can't wait for that. Right? So. It says in verse 13. If you live by its dictates. You will die. But if through the power of the spirit. You put to death the DG of sinful nature. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Amen? We're all children of God, led by the Spirit. You know it as well as I do. The Spirit leads, our flesh goes in a different direction than our spirit does. The Spirit wants us to do good when things are going bad, wants us to pray for our enemies. Our flesh doesn't like that. We get angry and bitter and mean. In defenseless, and we start talking about people and gossip and slander, and we get angry and misery loves company, amen. But that's a choice you have to make. It says you have to. You don't have. You have a choice. It says you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Because if you, now you have a choice, you know I'm not going to listen to it today. I'm mean. I'm angry. I'm but I am going to show love because that's what God commands me to do. And then when you can do that, then the Spirit is starting to control you and not your flesh. Now, does that mean that, you know, there's something wrong with you? No, you just need to grow up. All of us need to grow up. And church is the place where we learn to grow and change and transform. Amen? All right. You let me share that, let's go to Galatians chapter 3. That's where we um, end the uh, last week. We are studying the book of Galatians. I can't go back to verse 1, so if you want to go back and study this with us, go back into the website, and they're all there. I'll just give us a little summary of the book of Galatians before we get started. But everybody turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians is one of the most intense of Paul's letters, And it's important to read it in a way that appreciates this intensity. Also, the letter presents a tightly woven argument in support of a central thesis about the nature of the Gospel. This Gospel of justification through faith in Jesus Christ is anchored in the cross of Jesus and in the gracious call of God who raised Jesus from the dead, thereby inaugurating a new creation. All of us who believe in Jesus are considered new creations, we're born again, okay, that lives by the power of God's promise in Jesus Christ. The faithful reader will need to be open to hearing that call, experiencing the gift of freedom that has the power to transform people into those who express such freedom and practical love of the neighbor. Galatians was written because the churches of that region were facing a theological crisis, okay? The essential truth of justification by faith rather than by human works was being denied by the Judaizers. Legalistic Jews who insisted that Christians must keep the Mosaic law. In particular, the Judaizers insisted on circumcision as a requirement for Gentiles who wished to be saved. In other words, convert to Judaism first, and then you're eligible to become a Christian. That's what they were teaching. When Paul learned that this heresy was being taught to the Galatian churches, he composed an epistle to emphasize our liberty in Christ and to counter the perversion of the gospel that the Judaizers promoted. Okay, the fact that we are justified by grace through faith means we have spiritual freedom, okay? We are not under bondage to the dictates of, of the old testament law paul soundly condemns anyone who would denigrate the grace of god and attempt to change the gospel okay and emphasize that righteousness comes through christ and not by works now does that mean that we're just free to live lawlessly no that doesn't mean Anything like that. It means that the spirit of love that comes into the believer, we don't need to live by any kind of rules anymore. We live by the law of love. Amen? When you love somebody, you don't do anything wrong to them. When you love somebody, you don't steal from them. When you love somebody, what they're trying to say is you're dead to your old life. A dead person doesn't talk about people. A dead person doesn't steal. A dead person doesn't steal someone's wife. They're dead. That's what he said, you're dead to the old life and alive to the new life in Christ. Now he's going to build us up in love. Jesus just loves us unconditionally so we can transform by the liberty of love, amen? Not by law. Law will never transform us. It just shows us how bad we are. We can't follow the law, amen? Just a brief summary. Okay, let's go to Galatians 3. The last time we ended, we ended in verse 23. And that's where we're going to start tonight. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under God by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. Paul was really good at this. He wanted to put it away so we could understand it. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. So what he's saying is the commandments and the law were our guardian. They were our guidelines to do the best we can and live the best way that we could until we found Jesus Christ. Even though they didn't do any, it didn't change us, but that was, that just kept us doing the right thing by following them rules. It was our guardian until Jesus came and protected us so we could be right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. What do you mean faith? When we have faith in Jesus, we no longer have to follow the do's and don'ts of the law, because Jesus loves us unconditionally, and we start to love people unconditionally too. Amen? And it just starts to emanate. We don't have to follow any rules anymore. We live by the law of love. Love doesn't do anything wrong, so you don't need any laws. Just think about it. If the world just was full of love like 1 Corinthians 13, why would we need any laws? Nobody would be doing anything wrong. Because love does no wrong to anybody. Amen? That's what he's trying to say. That doesn't mean the law wasn't good. The law just showed us how bad we were. That we needed a savior. Okay, let me reiterate a little bit on this. In verse 23 and 22. The picture of the law as a guardian is similar to a tutor Given a young child supervision. Listen up now. We no longer need that kind of supervision. That The law teaches us the need for salvation. God's grace gives us that salvation. The Old Testament still applies today. In it, God reveals His nature, His will for humanity, His moral laws, and His guidelines for living. But we cannot be saved by keeping the law we must trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now look at verse 26. For you are all children, <laughs> or sons of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. He Christ calls us children. You are all children. And all of us, tell, tell me about it. Tell me we don't act like kids when we don't get our way. We whine and complain about everything. Just like babies get away with it, right? When they don't get something. We sound really ridiculous when we don't get our way, don't we? We start whining and complaining about things. It's ridiculous, isn't it? We're all children. God's, God shakes his head and says, When are you going to grow up and just understand this is life? Accept it. Right? Stop stop complaining. Be grateful that you're alive. Be grateful that you get breath in your lungs, that you can walk, that you can see. We take it for granted. and We complain about the stupidest things. Now, look at what it says. Faith in Christ Jesus in 27. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. It's saying we're putting off the flesh and we're putting on Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. See, so Jesus Christ is the Word. See, that's what see, people understand that. Jesus is the Word. We're putting, instead of the ways of the world aside, we're putting the ways of the Word on every day when we go out there. That's Jesus. Man, He's not some guy on the wall. The word is Jesus. We put on Jesus. We put the word on. <laughs> all right. So it says, put on new clothes. And look at verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right then in there, the Bible tells us everybody in this room is equal in God's eyes. No matter how prominent you are here, or how poor you are there, or what nationality you are, or what color you are, we're all equal in God's eyes. And that's how we should treat each other. All equal. Amen? No matter where we come from or where we are, we're all equal in God's eyes. And that's how we need to treat each other. <laughs> See? No longer Jew. And for you're all one in Christ. Okay, in verse 28, listen now. Some Jewish males greeted each new day by praying, Lord, I thank you that I am not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. The role of women was enhanced by Christianity. Faith in Christ transcends these differences and makes all believers one in Christ. Make sure you do not impose distinctions that Christ has removed. Because all believers are his ears, no one is more privileged than or superior to anyone else. Big amen there. It is our natural inclination to feel uncomfortable around people who are different from us and to gravitate towards those who are similar to us. But when we allow our differences to separate us from our fellow believers, we are disregarding clear biblical teaching. Make a point to seek out and appreciate people who are not just like you and your friends. You may find that you have a lot in common with them. (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot in common with each other. We're all sinners. We all do the wrong thing. We keep ourselves... Look, when when we all put ourselves against Jesus, all of us are bad. Ain't nothing good in any of us. So that's why we're all equal. And that's why in this church we're all equal for me up here to you sit there to anybody who takes off the trash it doesn't matter what we're all God's kids and he sees us all equal amen so please treat each other that way love each other unconditionally when we walk in that door leave your flesh out there and come in the spirit and love one another you have to make that choice and do that so the unbelieving world could really see Jesus in us other than that he's not they're not going to see it they're going to turn around and walk on and say, this is a crock. I get an amen for that? That's why it's important to leave the flesh at the door. Okay? Verse 29. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children, or the seed of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Imagine that. All the promises in the Bible belong to us. How about an amen for that? Okay. In verse 29, the original promise to Abraham was intended for the whole world, not just for Abraham's physical descendants. It tells us that in Genesis 12, verse 3. All believers participate in this promise and are blessed as children of Abraham. Amen. For all God's kids. Now, before we move on to 4, I want to just explain something about the law. In Galatians 3, do we still have to obey the Old Testament laws? Listen up now. Galatians 3, 24-25, when Paul says that non-Jews, Gentiles, are no longer bound by these laws, he is not saying that the Old Testament laws do not apply to us today. He is saying certain types of laws may not apply to us. Okay, in the Old Testament there were three categories of laws. Ceremonial law, okay, this kind of law relates specifically to Israel's worship. Okay, that tells us in Leviticus 1, 1 to 13. Okay, its primary purpose was to point forward to Jesus Christ. Therefore, these laws were no longer necessary after Jesus' death and resurrection. While we are no longer bound by ceremonial laws, the principles behind them, to worship and love a holy God, still apply. The Jewish Christians often accuse the Gentile Christians of violating the ceremonial law. The next one is civil law. This type of law dictated Israel's daily living, like it tells us in Deuteronomy 24, verses 10 and 11. Because modern society and culture are so radically different today, some of these guidelines cannot be followed specifically. But the principles behind the commands should guide our conduct. At times, Paul asked Gentile Christians to follow some of these laws, not because they had to, but in order to promote unity. You see? Paul said, I become all things to all people to get them to Jesus. Amen? If somebody's doing that, you say, it's okay. It's okay, and you follow it with them, because you love them, until they find their way free of them. And then there's the moral law. This sort of law is the direct command of God, for example, the Ten Commandments, okay? Exodus 21-17. It requires strict obedience. It reveals the nature and will of God, and it still applies to us today. We are to obey this moral law, not to obtain salvation, but to live in ways pleasing to God. You see? Those, when we live that way, those are the ways that please God. Amen? Do we have to? No. But we, if you wanna, if you love God, you wanna please God, and you live by the way He tells you to live. Amen? That's why we follow it. The law of love. Okay. Now let's jump into Galatians chapter 4. Is everybody with me so far tonight? All right. Let me get a sip of coffee. I'm tired. <laughs> Alright. <clears throat> Alright, here we go. Getting warmed up now. Alright, Galatians chapter 4. Is everybody there? Okay, verse 1. Think of it this way. Paul's going to explain again. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles or powers of this world, okay? But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Now, let me reiterate on that a little bit. When the right time came, God sent Jesus to earth to die for our sins, okay? For centuries, the Jews had been wondering when their Messiah would come. But God's timing was perfect. We may sometimes wonder if God will ever respond to our prayers. But we must never doubt Him or give up hope. We must never doubt Him or give up hope. At the right time, He will respond. Are you waiting for God's timing? Trust His judgment and trust that He has your best interests in mind. How about a big amen for that? Don't give up. Never stop praying. Never give up. Now verse 5. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. We're adopted into God's family. We're God's children by the blood of Jesus. Now, in verses 4 and 5, okay, Jesus was born of a woman He was human. He was born as a Jew. He was subject to God's law and fulfilled it perfectly. Okay? Thus, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice because although he was fully human, he never sinned. His death brought freedom for us who were enslaved to sin so that we could be adopted into God's family. Sin is no longer the barrier. Amen? Because of Jesus, what he did for us. Verse 6. And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Okay, we got Jesus Spirit in our hearts. We all know that. You know, there's times when you just you get overwhelmed. You get that warm feeling. You know, Jesus is with you. It's there. It's that you get touched by God. See, but He doesn't do that all the time because He doesn't want us to rely on our feelings. See, He bring He He pulls back so we walk by faith. Okay, but sometimes you just sense Him. He's right there with you, and he gives you that reassurance. Just when you're ready to give up, he just shows up again, and this keeps us going. Amen? You know what I'm talking about, right? Jesus is right on time, always. <laughs> okay, so now that you are no longer asleep, listen to what it says. And God has sent the Spirit into his Son, and our hearts prompting us to call Abba, Father. Right? Abba is an Aramaic term for Father. That's just Abba. It's a personal thing. Abba, Father. Look at verse 7. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. What he's saying is you're no longer a slave to your sin nature anymore. You are now a child of the king. Whenever your sin nature tries to control you, all you have to do is say, No, I'm a child of the king. I am not going to obey what my sinful nature urges me to do. Because if I do, it, I still have free will. One thing, listen, my brothers and sisters, is please, let, hear me out. This give me a fair, let me give you a fair warning. He will never take away your choices to do right or wrong. He simply gives you the power to make the right one. Well, we didn't have the power to do that before. But he never takes away our free will. So beware. Always listen and don't move in front of the Spirit. Wait for the Spirit. Don't move without him because you're gonna make a lot of mistakes that way. Wait on the Lord. Amen. And where his ears? He says, And since you are his child, God has made you his ears. Okay? Look at in verse 4, verses 3 to 7, Paul uses the illustration of slavery to show that before Christ came and died for sins, people were in bondage to the law. Thinking that they could be saved by it, they became enslaved to trying and failing to keep it. But we who were once slaves are now God's very own children who have an intimate relationship with Him. Because of Christ, there is no reason to be afraid of God. You hear me? Because of Jesus, there's no reason to be afraid of God. He loves you. You want God on your side. We can, listen, we can come boldly into his presence knowing that he will welcome us as his family members. No matter how you live or what you think or what you do, we can always come back to God, repent and confess, and he just goes like this. It is done. Now get back in the race, my child. Don't walk away from me. It's only going to get worse for you. Stay with me no matter what. Just hang in there. Now give me amen for this. Don't let the devil take you away from God. Now, but we who were once slaves are now God's children who have an intimate relationship. Because of Christ, there's no reason to be afraid of God. We can come boldly into his presence, knowing that he will welcome us as his family members. Under Roman law, an adopted child was guaranteed all legal rights to his father's property, even if he was formerly a slave. He was not a second-class son. He was equal to all other sons, biological or adopted, in his father's family. As adopted children of God, we share with Jesus all rights to God's resources. As God's heirs, we can claim what he has provided for us, our full identity as his children, like it tells us we just read Romans eight fifteen to 17 I want a big amen for that. Now we're going to talk about Paul's concern for the Galatians. Verse 8. Everybody with me so far here? Okay, good. Before you Gentiles knew God, see, if you're not a Jew, if you're not Jewish, you are a Gentile. Okay, that's what the Bible tells us. If you didn't know that, just let me let, just give you that information. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves. Slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you wanna go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. Now there's religions that practice this stuff. They go like this. Look, you're trying, look what it says. You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work for you was for nothing. My dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom for these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from them laws. Now that's why Jesus couldn't stand religion. Because religion put these demands on people that never got them close to God. It put them brought them further and further away. Matter of fact, when you try to follow them things, you're under God's curse and you never feel the joy and peace of the Lord. So that's why Jesus hated religion. That's why we're not about religion here, we're about relationship. Amen. We're not an organization, we're an organism. The Spirit. The Spirit runs this ministry. The Spirit of God in the Bible is the owner's manual here. And this is what we live by and teach here. Now it says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead you to live in freedom from these things. If I become like you Gentiles, free from them laws, you did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, so now you have to think, man, he must have been really sick. Something must have been physically wrong with him. Because they, you know, tempted you to reject him. Like, oh, stay away from me. You must be contagious, right? You did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Now, let me talk about that. Paul's illness was a sickness that he was enduring while he visited the Galatian churches, okay? The world is often callous to people's pain and misery. Paul commended the Galatians for not scorning him. Even though his condition was a trial to them, he didn't explain what was wrong with him. Such caring was what Jesus meant when he called us to serve the homeless, hungry, sick, and in prison as if they were Jesus himself. Matthew 20-5 34 to 40, remember? Do you avoid those in pain or those facing difficulty? Or are you willing to care for them as if they were Jesus Christ himself? Anybody God puts in front of us is for a reason. And we're never to reject them, but we're always to what? Show love and compassion to everybody, even the people that are suffering. Amen? Look at verse 15. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. So maybe he had a problem with his eyes, right? He so say, you give me your own eyes? So I mean, I'm only speculating here. Look what it says in verse 15. And this is where Christians are. Have you lost your joy? How many of us sit in church after being Christians for years and lose their joy? Have you lost your joy? Paul sensed that the Galatians had lost the joy of their salvation because of legalism. Legalism can take away joy because, number one, it makes people feel guilty rather than loved. Two, it produces self-hatred rather than humility. Three, it stresses performance over relationship. Four, It points out how far short we fall rather than how far we come because of what Christ did for us. It always points out our flaws instead of how far we've come. If you feel guilty and inadequate, check your focus. Are you living by faith in Christ or are you trying to live up to the demands and expectations of others? Verse 16, have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? A lot of times people walk away from the truth of the Bible. In verse 16, Paul did not gain great popularity when he rebuked the Galatians for turning away from their first faith in Christ. Human nature hasn't changed much. We still get angry when we're scolded. But don't write off someone who challenges you. There may be truth in what he or she says. Receive his or her words with humility. Carefully think them over. If you discover that you need to change an attitude or action, take steps to do it. How about an amen for that? verse 17 just like God listen if God puts somebody in front of you if somebody says something to you and you get offended by it you are not living in the truth the truth of God's word says look God sent them people to you to evaluate what's wrong. you can't see what's wrong with you other people can so when somebody comes up to you and shows you something wrong with your character you should thank them because they're bringing something to the light that needs to change in your life and that's where people go wrong they get offended well what about you what about you? How come you, you're no better than me, right? It's not the bounce off. The bounce off happened in Genesis, remember? It was the devil who made me do it. It was the woman you gave me who made me eat the apple. It was that person that talked to me who made me angry. Get it? So when somebody comes up to you and gives you something that you might not like, it's for your own good. You can say, ouch, because it's true. Most of the time it's true. And we don't want to hear the truth because the truth hurts. Pride. Humility is what lets us accept. Don't worry, I ask my wife, what do you see wrong with me? She tells me. And there's no problem telling me. <laughs> right? But I ask her for a reason because I can't see what's wrong with me. And neither can you. Sin is very blinding. We can always see what's wrong with other people, but it's hard for us to see what's wrong with us. So when somebody, when I ask us, what's wrong, what do you see coming up in me? It's for my own good so I can turn back and repent of it. So if you really want to change, you listen to what other people have to say. It's important. If you don't want to change, you're going to... You're going to get mad. I can't believe they talk to me that way. Please, give me a break. Tell me everybody in here talks to everybody who's whole all nice, right? Like we don't... Like we don't yeah, okay, thank you. What was it? I don't deserve that. No, you deserve judgment. That's what the Bible says. So that's really light compared to what God can do. If somebody's just rebuking you for something stupid you're doing. Okay. Everybody with me so far? Okay, look what it says. Verse 17... Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from so you pay only attention to them. The false teachers, oh, we're going to end here. The false teachers claim to be religious authorities and experts in Judaism and Christianity. Appealing to the believers' desire to do what was right, they drew quite a following. Paul said, however, that they were wrong and that their motives were selfish. False teachers are often respectable and persuasive. That is why all teaching should be checked against the Bible. How about a big amen there? I'll leave you with that tonight, my brothers and sisters. We're going to close in prayer, and we're going to have a a video to watch, okay? David, you want to come up and close us? If you can bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly and Gracious Father, thank you for the honor and the privilege it is to constantly be able to hear from your word, Lord, to learn from you, from your disciples, through your Son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we may be granted heavenly wisdom. Help us to grow in faith, Lord, trusting in you in every single circumstance, Lord, to help us to understand why you're putting us through these issues. Help us to grow spiritually. Help us to mature And that aspect of faith, Lord, help us to see you through everything, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, please keep your hand over all of us, Lord. Give us this patient endurance, Lord, through every single circumstance. And to wait on you, Lord, because your will comes before our will. And I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Thanks, David.